guys, it's Kelly, and I'm here with Jesse, and this is the, the Jesse and Kelly Show. We bring you weekly outrageous conversations about current events, healthy and happy living, yoga and green parenting, fringe thought, and holistic alternatives, all in an easy-to-listen-to style. After 10 years of saying someone should be recording us, we decided to record ourselves. Jesse is a yoga studio owner and teacher living in Northern California, and I live on a tiny island in the Caribbean, where I do marketing part-time and mommying full-time. Grab a glass of wine, I'm going to put my toes in the sand for you, and enjoy the show. Hey, Cal. Hey, Jess. How's it going? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good, too. Awesome. So what's been going on? Um, not a whole lot. It's actually been kind of quiet since, um, you know, my house guests left and we're just kind of like recuperating and getting ready. We're going to California next week. So super excited about that. I'm going, going back, back to, to Cali. 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 Awesome. Well, I can't wait to see you. We're going to have a lot of fun once you're here, even though I think I only get one day with you. But I that's know okay. it's that's the trouble of such a short trip. It's like. We're only there for 10 days and it goes by so quickly, especially with the baby. Now everybody wants to see her. So it's like we're bopping all over the place. You know, I thought it was super smart that you put that message out like, hey, if anybody wants to see us, we're going to have limited time. Like, you know, we'll be here on this time if you guys want to make the effort on that day. Right. Well, it's because, I mean, over the years, we've really figured out what happens when we come into town. And it's like sometimes people fight over us and it's sad. (laughs) I'd fight for you. Oh, you're so sweet. What's going on with you? Well, I'm back from a nice weekend away. I got to go down to Southern California and then um, my sister's bachelorette happened. And so we went out to Palm Springs. Have you ever been? I went to Palm Springs once and I think I was only there overnight, maybe for two nights, but it was a long time ago. I was like maybe 19 Do you remember anything about it? Not that much. No, I went down to visit um, a friend and I think we went out to dinner one night and I stayed in kind of like a. I don't know. I don't really remember that much about it, to be honest. Oh, so we've driven through from like Orange County to Phoenix to go see my dad and just like stopped at the outlets because they have some killer outlets down there. Um, yeah, really. But we actually stayed and the the sweet little town of Palm Springs is retro, like super retro, super cute and quirky. Um, there's all these like murals up that are just interesting. And, you know, people are doing the whole Palm Springs, like big hat, big sunglasses. Oh, really? How cute. Yeah. Like it's um, it's kind of like a blast from the past. And it's all like just so retro. They have unique retro shops. Um, I guess it's on the upswing right now. So they have some like trendy stuff migrating out from like LA, but it's, it was a lot of fun. We stayed in this really awesome house. Like we did a VRBO Mm -hmm. and it was completely retro too. I put, I don't think I put enough pictures up on Instagram, but I'll, I'll put up a picture too on our Jesse and Kelly show Instagram because it was just so awesome. I yeah, it like sounded was... like you had such a fun time. And I loved the pictures that you were sending of you and your hat and your glasses by the swimming pool and the whole thing. It looked like you guys were having such a good time. It was a very nice time. Good little break because back in Northern California, we're getting another little spring storm. Man, hey, so I sorry. heard back in the foothills, though, it was snowing. Yeah, it was like dumping snow the other day at my in-laws house, like huge flakes. And um, they sent a video. And it made me so... Um, homesick like I could just smell the you know the smell of winter in the mountains and I just wanted to be there really bad so I'm hoping I don't want snow when we're home next week but I'm hoping at least for some cooler weather because I'd like a chance to wear my cooler weather clothes too because that's it's so silly it's such a silly thing to miss but um like I miss wearing scarves and boots and being able to put on a coat and like I ordered Kira some cute warm clothes because she doesn't have any so I want to be oh. able to wear those too. Oh, what I did do though, while I was down there, um, I had a day with my niece um, in Orange County and we went and saw the new Beauty and the Beast. Oh, how was it? Because I've been wanting to see it, but I can't like find it within myself to drag my husband out and make him watch it with me. Uh, is it your favorite Disney movie? It's not, no. Oh, okay. But I like well, it. It is, it is mine. So, um, 
I had heard all of these good things. I had gone to a party like the week before and they were playing on this big screen in the backyard. They were playing the original Beauty and the Beast. Oh, and everyone's cool. like, oh my God, have you seen it? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, they're like, it's better than the first. And I was like, better than the first. Yeah. This is my favorite Disney movie you're talking about. Um, but we, I went with my niece and my sister and it was great. It was wonderful. They did a really good job of recreating it with humans mm-hmm. instead of cartoons. Um, obviously like really good graphics as well. And they added on to the story too. So you got oh, a little cool. bit more background And I had a couple of concerns. Did you know that the whole Beauty and the Beast, like in the original, it's like four days that she's there with the Beast to fall in love? No. I didn't didn't know that. Had no idea. Four days? Yeah. I thought that like she got there in like summer slash fall and that's why it was like snowy. And so she stayed the whole season with him. Yeah. I thought it was definitely longer than four days. No, in 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 the new movie, it's like four days. And the reason why it's snowing there is because of the spell that's cast on the whole castle. Oh, wow. Yeah. So a couple like new things to chew on with my mind. Um, I will say the dress. Mm-hmm. It's it's not the same. What do you mean? Is it better? Mm, mm. it's debatable. I would love to hear what other people think if they've seen the movie. But for me, having been obsessed with that dress my yeah. entire life, like I thought I was going to get married in a yellow dress Aww. that looked like bells. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't completely convinced on it. So it definitely, I think that, that they use like French chiffon for it. So it would move really nicely, which it did. But it just was not the same. And she was wearing a very unique necklace for that part of the part of the movie. Anyways, let us know what your feelings are about it on the Facebook. Yeah, I really want to see it. So I'll let you know what I think afterwards. It's so funny that you say like that that's the way that you felt about that dress, because my favorite Disney movie growing up was The Little Mermaid. And I felt the same way about her dress at the end. She gets out of the water and she's wearing that purple, sparkly dress. And I was like obsessed with it to the point where at my eighth grade graduation, I actually found a dress that kind of looked like it, like it was purple and sparkly. It had glitter, like um, silver thread, like weaved through it. And I had to buy it because it was just like Ariel's dress. Like even at that age, when it was so uncool to like still be obsessed with Disney, I was like, oh, I have to get that dress because it looks just like Ariel's dress from The Little Mermaid. I I believe it. Anyways, you'll have to let me know. I'm sure you can find some images on online as well. But the necklace, especially, I was like, no, should have done a little bit classier, I think. Let me see. I'm actually looking right now because I couldn't help myself. So it's just it's an image of her and she's kind of like it's from above and she's just wearing like a just a gold kind of pendant. It looks like. Is that the right one? It looks like a tree, like a tree of life. almost. Yeah. Yeah, it's not right. But and the only other, I guess, um, commentary I have regarding it was, you know, the Gaston song where they're singing, you know, no one drinks like Gaston, blah, yeah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, uh-huh. you know? So they recreated that so well. It, really? It was a great one, except for um, what's his sidekick's name? Do you remember? I don't. I'm like, I just saw the movie and I can't remember his name. Um, he adds a line in. And I'm not going to spoil it for anyone. Not a spoiler, but mm-hmm. it was just like, no, that wasn't right. Ah, it's hard too when you love something so much to watch it be recreated. And like, I felt the same way about like some of the movies from my childhood, like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And um, sometimes it's wonderful. And sometimes it's just like a total flop. Like I was like, that was the stupidest movie ever after I watched the new one. I would say the Beauty and the Beast, they did an awesome job. You know, the singing wardrobe. Uh huh. Yeah. The actual lady that plays Madame Wardrobe, something like that, Gara <laughs> Wardrobe. Um, she was phenomenal. Her voice was phenomenal. All of her costumes were great. It's it's definitely worthwhile. I'll probably end up buying it when it comes out. Aww. Well, that's cool. And it's so nice that you got to do that with your sister, who I'm sure used to watch the movie with you all the time and then your niece, too. So it's like it pushes forward the tradition. 
I did learn that the song is um, a little bit different than what I thought it was. So it says tales as old as time. Uh huh. And I thought it was Taylor's old as time. Oh. <laughs> the more oh, you funny. know. Yeah. Okay, so what are we talking about today? Uh, so we're going to talk about, it's kind of like a food episode, because this is what happens to us. Um, we're going to talk about kombucha. We're going to talk about brunch foods. Um, I'm going to throw in some of my green parenting stuff. And then later on, I'm going to jump out and I'm going to let um, a guest come in and, and discuss Syria and what's going on there. Oh, Syria. Well, I don't know. I've been kind of in Palm Springs, minding my own beeswax. So I'm looking forward to learning what's going on in the world. Um, but first, I thought we should talk about the drinking game. Ooh. So we talked about this in a previous episode that we were going to start one. And I have a list of about six items that we thought were appropriate. And listeners, if you have any that you think would be should be added to the list, you can go ahead and email us at the Jesse and Kelly show at gmail.com or let us know through Facebook or Instagram. Um, the first one up is anytime we mention Dave Ramsey. All right. If he only knew. <laughs> <laughs> drink, 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 drink. And then the second one is whenever I goof up a word because I'm prone to do it. You're like, Jesse, what is in that? Is it calendula or calendula? <laughs> I think that I'm also prone to that, too, which I didn't realize how much I am until um, we started recording our conversations. And then it's like, oh, I actually don't know how to pronounce that. And my husband's like, hey, you did this wrong or you said that wrong. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, it's a learning process. Mm -hmm. So we only had one person let us know that I um, I goofed on turmeric last time. So I decided to say it how you say it. You know, what's so funny is I did not even notice. I didn't notice at all. I and know, I feel like you, you say it. like reaffirmed my mispronunciation of turmeric. Did I say it right? Turmeric. Turmeric. See, I'm trying to like rhyme it with like America or something in my head so I don't say it how America. Yeah. <laughs> say it how my body wants me to say it. My mom ended up calling me and she's like, hey, I've been listening to your podcast. And I was like, do you like it? Are you learning new things? And she's like, yeah, I learned how to say turmeric. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Shut up. <Tumeric. laughs> um, Okay, and number three is anytime one of us randomly breaks into song, which has oh, already yeah. happened, I believe, twice or three times. Yeah. Also, the use of hashtag before we say a phrase. Hashtag. So, hashtag. That's a good idea. Yeah. All right. I like it. Um, indeed is another mm -hmm. drink worthy word. And anytime one of you out there listening to our awesome podcast decides to LOL because of something we say, that's your cue to drink up. And again, the teams are Team Kelly, who you may choose some alcoholic beverage, or Team Jesse, where you're going to hydrate with water or coconut water. We should make shirts. I'm Team Kelly. I'm Team Jesse. <laughs> I just was thinking about what January said about how it's so funny that I'm the booze one and you're the water one, but whatever. <laughs> Maybe we'll switch it up in season two. Oh, yeah. We could do like Pass opposite day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the backwards man. Backwards <laughs> man. Okay. So leading up to our first foodie episode, what did you have for dinner last night? So the recipe that I wanted to talk to talk to you about this week was um, I made pad thai. And oh. I love pad thai. And I had to learn how to make it when we moved here because there's nowhere on island that well there was nowhere that made any thai food and now there's one restaurant but the, honestly it's not good so um i had to learn how to make thai food when we moved here so i learned how to make pad thai and um i make it veggie obviously and it's rice noodles and a yummy sauce and um Isn't i love it, it. Like flat noodle yeah they're like um like a little bit smaller than like, like a linguine fettuccine? yeah oh, yeah, okay. yeah that's what i meant fettuccine but it's rice? Yeah, Where do rice you find noodle. that? Um, they have them in the Asian food section. Okay. Yeah, they're really good. So um, I will put that recipe up on the blog at thejessieandkellyshow.com so that you guys can try it. It's actually really easy. I was really intimidated when I was started learning how to cook Thai food because it's pretty, like, 
involved. Like it'll be like, make this simple sauce with 49 ingredients. <laughs> because, you know, like I feel like that's what a, a lot of complexity of flavor goes into, you know, Asian cooking. And so, um, yeah, this one's pretty simple. It's like maybe five ingredients for the sauce and it's easy peasy. That's how I cook. So you guys will get my style. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to it because I've only had it a handful of times and I really enjoyed it. So I would like to try it. Mm-hmm. And I know we have at least one listener out there that's trying your five for 20 meals. So we're yeah, waiting to I'm hear really, back how she likes it. Definitely. I want to know because it's something that I do so frequently. I just want to know, like, how did it work for everyone else? And, um, you know, did you have any tips or suggestions? Because be really interested to see how it goes. Anyway, what do you have for dinner? I got in my Farm Fresh to You box a fennel, right? So I decided to make roasted fennel. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of cut off the tops of it and you take it apart and then put some olive oil, salt and pepper. I think I put a little bit of thyme in there. But then I was looking at the stalks and I'm like, that's a lot to just like put in the compost heap, yeah. which, yay, I finally got one. <gasps> oh, you did? Yes, uh, oh, we I'm moved. So and you. so we have some acreage. And with that, I get to have my own compost heap for the garden. Oh, that's so cool. What's funny is we recently stopped throwing our compost over the fence and started uh, our own compost bucket as well. So now the neighbors aren't reaping all the benefits. Well, there's no neighbor. That's the thing. Isn't it the goats? goats? Well, the goats come by sometimes. They haven't been here in a while, but um, there's just really nobody on either side of us. So Hmm. anyway, we're uh, compost soulmates. Yay. I'm excited about it. I'm excited for summer garden. But what I did is I was looking at these fronds and, you know, it's like just the greenery that comes off and looks kind of like dill. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder if I can do something with that. My husband's across the room and I was like, can you look up and see if people make like a pesto out of, you know, fennel? Mm-hmm. And he's like, he just yells back. Yes, they do. <laughs> All right, cool. Challenge accepted. So I just, I picked off all of the fronds and I put them in the magic bullet and I added some olive oil, added some salt and some garlic. Um, I didn't put any cheese in there, but I put it all together. It was great. I've actually, I've used it. um, So most of the time fennel tastes a little bit like black licorice. Right. The fronds don't really. Oh, really? So what kind of flavor do they have? It's just kind of like a greenery. Um kind of like arugula i would say but Mm. not quite that like it's still more of an herb than anything um but i've used it i actually added some of it into my own salad dressing which was phenomenal oh this is what else i put in there i decided instead of pine nuts i used an eighth of a cup of cashews oh and then a fourth of a cup of almonds Mm, awesome it was really good sounds really really good i want to eat it right now Mm. Well, if you're not hungry yet, we're getting into brunch next. So and brunch is our favorite. Oh, yes. So every year, Kelly and I put together something and we hope you do the same with your girlfriends or boyfriends. And it's called Bellini Brunch. Kelly, when did this start? Uh, I think 10 years ago. Do you know what year it was? Because I don't. Oh, maybe it was 2005. 2004. 2005, I believe. (sighs) We're crazy. So it started pretty like innocently. Jesse was like, I want to throw this event. It's called Bellini Brunch and we're going to wear dresses and drink champagne and make brunch. And I'm like, done. <laughs> okay. So we did it. And the first year was pretty small, if I remember correctly. It was us and then a random guy. <laughs> <laughs> and since then, we've outlawed guys at our Bellini brunches. Unless they wear a bow tie and, and serve champagne. Serve. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so what ha- happened was I when I was younger, like 18, 19, I was living in Los Angeles and I was kind of trying to find a job going around. And I wound up off of Santa Monica Boulevard off the 405. And there was this cafe that I just walked in and I was like, I have to be here. You know, it was kind of retro too. It had Mm -hmm. like white walls and then like a random blue one. And they always displayed different artists and it was all like totally abstract. And it was called Lulu's home of the blue plate. And Lulu herself was just like, 
I looked up to this lady. She was probably like 40 or 50. She was just rocking out, like doing her own thing, had her business. I was, I was compelled by her to say the least, but every Sunday she would do a Bellini brunch and it was people would show up for brunch. Ozzy Osbourne would come in. Like I met Steven Tyler. Like it was just kind of like a hip place to be. And I was the barista and I, you know, make up coffee things and put like this cute little chocolate L on the top of the whipped cream. Oh, that's great. It was so much fun. But the the Bellinis are usually peach Bellinis, right? So peach juice and champagne is a normal Bellini. Well, Lulu had her own style of Bellini where she did a sugar cube, champagne and lemonade. Mm hmm. And so that's just that's the Lulu Bellini. And that's kind of what started it was I was back in Northern California missing Lulu's. And so we started Bellini Brunch and we've done it. Gosh, probably nine out of those 12 years. Right. I think I think the last time we did it was 10 was our 10 year. Oh, my gosh. So it's been either nine or 10. You might be right. Maybe this year will be 10. But yeah, every year it gets like a little bit more fabulous. We have one rule and the rule is that you must have one Bellini and then you can do whatever you want after that. But um, we give everyone a Bellini when they come. We um, wear fancy party dresses and beautiful high heels and just celebrate like all that is feminine. And then we eat our faces off because Jesse and I cook Bellini brunch. We've thought about having it catered. We never have. Last year nope. we almost did because we did it for my bridal shower or my baby shower. What was baby it? Shower. Baby, baby shower. Baby shower. One of them showers. And it was like a little bit over the top, but um, we made it happen and it was delicious. Yeah. I think if somebody wants to plan one of these, you just invite your closest girlfriends or if you want to include boys, that's your prerogative. Um, but you, you invite your girlfriends, tell them to wear a party dress and tell them to invite a friend too. Mm-hmm. We end up doing like a contest for best dressed, best yeah. heels, running in shoes, like running in heels. Oh That's yeah. We fun. have to dig up one of those videos and post it on Instagram. Oh my the gosh. One, when you're running in heels. Cause they're so fun. I have tons of pictures, but I don't know if I have video. I think I have video from, uh, I want to say it was the one that we did at your mom's house. I think it was my bridal shower because that's the other thing is it's kind of morphed into like we use it to commemorate events now because we're far away from each other. Yes. And so we are going to be doing one, just a small one. Yeah. Like the smallest one since the first one. (laughs) When you come home. But with that, I think um, we should talk a little bit about what kind of menu to plan. Yeah. So um, like Jess was saying, like really all you got to do is get your girlfriends together and then, um, you know, you can decide to do all the cooking yourself if you want, or you can do a potluck. I like potlucks because I like to get what everyone else is cooking. I always make a quiche. I love quiche and I feel like it's the like epitome of brunch food. Indeed. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we usually do a salad, which we have a special salad that we do, which is a spinach. Warm um, spinach salad. Yeah. With goat cheese and, and a raspberry vinaigrette. It's really good. And that's based off of Buca de Beppo's. Buca de Beppo. Buca de Beppo. Um, what else do we usually do? You always do your um, your souffle. So my grandma's souffle, like the original recipe, and mind you, my grandma was, you know, from the Great Depression, like grew up during it. And so it was old still bread. So like white bread that Mm -hmm. nobody had gotten into. And then you would put like pats of butter on one side. Okay. And then you would put that down and then you'd sprinkle some cheddar cheese. Mm -hmm. And then you would take another bunch of like layering it out on a casserole dish okay and then you would take more bread with butter on one side of it and put that down on top more cheese and then you do a mix of milk eggs and dry mustard and salt yum and you'd whip that all together and then pour it out on top and that was the souffle okay scent and since I get like a nice roll of like French bread and then mm-hmm. I tear it into individual pieces and lay it out and stuff. So it's just so it's a the same basic idea. Bread. Just same switch a little bit. Yeah. And I don't butter the bread. I just put little chunks of butter along the top of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but delicious. Cool. 
Yeah, we always we always we have our like core items that we always make and those are usually them. And then we will add in some frilly frills here and there. We both love cucumber sandwiches and I think we have perfected the cucumber sandwich if I do say so myself. I do, but what do you think? So creme fraiche or the what's the other one called that we get? The mm. the Mexican sour uh, cream? Oh, crema. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of like the crema better. Yeah, I think I like the crema better, too. I can't get either one here. So I mix mayo, a little bit of sour cream, a little bit of cream cheese, and oh, wow. um, like a sl- little bit of milk if I need to thin it out. And I actually dill and got, spices. I got the dill in my farm fresh box this last Ooh. time because I was like, I'm probably going to make cucumber sandwiches for Bellini brunch. Oh, awesome. I love cucumber sandwiches. I think I'm just so going to have to make some up. So what my sister does um, is she just makes up the dip like that. You know, it's like crema or creme fraiche, dill, some garlic powder, some white pepper, a little bit of salt. And you put all that together. Is there onion in it, too? I think that we use onion powder. I don't think that onion you put powder. raw okay, onion. So I, think it was, I think the raw onion might like overpower the delicacy. Yeah. Anyways, it's best if you make it the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, that way it has time to kind of marinate and draw the flavors out from the dill. But yeah, the just, sauce. Not, yeah, don't the sauce. put the sandwiches together the night before. They'll get all no. soggy. Soggy mess. Mm-hmm. Wah, wah. Um, and then she just takes the cucumber rounds. So you like skin the cucumber Mm -hmm. and slice it into little rounds like really thin and then she just takes the little cucumber and puts a dollop on top and serves that as an appetizer oh that's cute like a it's like a low carb version i'm slightly convinced that they don't eat bread in southern california (laughs) so if we have any southern california listeners can you please put up a picture of you eating some massive bread and like if you eat bread or if you don't eat eat bread can you just give us like the lowdown do they not sell bread there i mean what's wrong with bread i love it i love it Maybe we should. Um, at one point, our friend was talking about making shirts that say, like, I heart gluten. Yeah, I too heart gluten. <laughs> we dabble in the gluten free. We did for a while. Like Kirk actually did like, I want to say a month with no gluten. How'd it and go? I, uh, he felt great. He was doing a cleanse at the same time. And then with the baby, I'm I'm on the fence about gluten. I've done a decent amount of research on it. I really don't know. So um, we don't give her a lot of like processed gluten or bread or pasta or anything like that. Well, if you listen to us long enough, um, you'll probably hear my wacky conversations with doctors because I somehow get the wacky and wild. Anyways, so I went to the doctor and she's like, oh, well, what'd you have for breakfast? And I was like, well, I had some gluten free waffles. And she's like, do you have celiacs? And I was like, no. And she's like, well, there's no reason why you should have to have gluten free then. And I was like, well, I kind of like the taste of them better. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I guess like for some people, it affects them. For some people, it doesn't. And the only way I've found to figure out if you can have it or not is to do that elimination diet and see how you feel after. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and then the other thing that I read during or Maybe I saw it. I don't know. During the course of my research, I figured out that they say that with gluten, it's like it's not even like if you reduce the amount of gluten in your diet, these supposed health things are not going to happen. It's you have to cut it out completely. So I just I don't think I'm that committed, especially having no issues currently. So. Hmm. Well, so we did at at the studio, I hosted um, one of my friends who's getting married. She had a bridal shower there one day. It was really fun, really cool. And that space just handles events so well. Yeah, the we picture kind of a, gorgeous. The pictures that you sent. Thank you. But there was definitely glitter all over mm-hmm. to the point where like for the next week, people were walking out with glitter on their feet. Oh, my gosh. But I know. But we had we had kind of a nice time there. One of the ladies did um, bacon on a stick. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm not quite sure. I think she put the stick like kind of like a skewer so you could eat the bacon off of it. I don't know. It, it looked cute and it did well as far as the party goes. But I think she put the stick on there like through one side and back through the other, kind of like threaded it on. Okay. And I think then she cooked it. I'm not sure. But that was kind of cool. And I made my carrot orange muffins mm-hmm. and I had a special request for flaxseed crackers yeah, that those I are make. Delicious. Super good. And they have spirulina in them. Um, you can find them on my personal website, jessielee.com. And what you do is you take those and then you put a little bit of brie cheese on top and then you get this mango jalapeno jelly and put a little dab of that on top. And it's just awesome. Sounds really good. And I do love your flex crackers. So thank you. Yeah. So with brunch, you just want to make sure that you're mixing in breakfast and lunch foods, right? That's why it's brunch. Yeah. We should talk about cocktails for that, too. Mm, Yes, let's. So first you take champagne. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We have done, we always do, like Jesse was saying, the traditional Bellini. And then, of course, we move on to mimosas. And we did a mimosa bar. We've done that a couple times, which is always fun. You know what my favorite one is, though? What? watermelon and champagne juice yeah so like um watermelon and champagne, champagne juice that's juice. hysterical <laughs> watermelon juice and champagne you gotta need to drink twice for that <laughs> <laughs> um i yeah i call that a watermelon mimosa and i love it too i really do watermelon juice is amazing though somebody asked me one time they're like why would you juice a watermelon it's so juicy and i'm like you have not seen the pink coming out of the juicer yeah. yet it's like a pink waterfall it's amazing it's worth mm-hmm. it and it's delicious it's so fresh remember that time that we found watermelon juice at the grocery outlet and ended up drinking like a gallon of it oh that was so good oh yeah down so at the geo i love the geo me too um i did do for my sister's bachelorette in Palm Springs, I did the souffle. And then there's this other casserole that I found online. And it's, um, it's kind of like a cheese Danish with blueberry, but it's in a big casserole dish. Um, maybe I can put a link up to that recipe. Yeah, you definitely should. You just like tear up a whole bunch of croissants and then you make this Mm. mix of like milk and cream cheese, vanilla, a little bit of sugar, dump that on there and then sprinkle blueberries and bake it. So good. Sounds hella good. So then the only Mm. other uh, mimosa I definitely want to tell you guys about is the passion fruit mimosa. Because tell me more. That's something that I've started doing since we're here. And passion fruit juice is really like, it's amazing. Passion fruit is one of the most delicious things I've ever tasted in my life. Like it's just, it tastes magical. And so I love it mixed in with um, some champagne. It's really good. Have you had passion fruit or passion fruit juice? So they call it Lilikoi mm-hmm. in Hawaii. And I just know them as they kind of look like these little round, wrinkly. They're the ugliest. Yellowish. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can imagine where I'm going with no, this I, in my head is like small, round, wrinkly. <laughs> yeah. My friend calls them snot fruit, too, because of the way that the insides of them look. Yeah. Like they're just so the kind of ugliest like fruit, fruit ever. Fruit. Fruit. <laughs> Fruit. <laughs> if you say it three times, it's a word. Fruit. Oh, thank you. Food. Um, mashup. Yeah. Hashtag mashup. Hashtag. <laughs> so what we do with them out in Hawaii is you make lilikoi pancakes. So once you got your pancake batter done, you cut off the top of one and you snot it out. Mm-hmm. Like you squeeze it in <laughs> the passion fruit. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> the passion fruit goes into the pancake and it, it's really delicious. So they're kind of like tart mm-hmm. and tangy. Yeah. And they just have a really unique got, flavor. Yeah. And they're, um, they have like seeds in them too. So when you juice them, what happens with the little seeds? So it's kind of like chia seeds and gelatinous, right? Yeah. So you really, the seeds are kind of like, you don't, when you're like, if you're just eating the fruit, you don't really chew the seeds all the way you just kind of like maybe mash them a little bit and then swallow them really quick it's kind of like if you're eating like think like a kiwi but the seeds are way bigger like you don't care about kiwi seeds right you just power through it um like pomegranate uh no because well i spit out pomegranate seeds Ooh, you do yeah i don't eat them okay so with the um 
the, to make the juice, you basically do it in a blender. So you put the snot and seeds in the blender and then you blend it and then you strain it to get the seed fragments out because otherwise they're real gritty. They're like kind of having like sand in your juice. So well, I wish we had more access to them because it's definitely a great, unique flavor that adds so much to well, it. Well, I think that you should just check it out in like the juice section, like um, maybe in like the aisle instead of the the cold juice section. Um, and you might be able to find some because a lot of times that's where I find it. But we have different products available here, too. Is it like the nectar ones? Mm-mm. No, it's they they have different. It's called like. I don't know what it's called, but it's a box of juice. Oh, <laughs> it's like a big grown-up box of juice. Got my juice box. Yep. Cool. Well, I think at some point we should put together our brunch recipes and make them available to people. Definitely. I think that um I think there might be some kind of cookbook in our future with the kind of I know that you have the With Love cookbook, but um, I think one just for brunch and what we've done with Bellini Brunch over the years might be fun to do, too. Yes, definitely. All right. So anything else you want to brunch about? Nothing except for I'm hungry now. I'm sorry. (laughs) I know. I'm looking forward to um, getting together and doing a small brunch while we're home. We're going to do it in honor of our friend Anna who passed away two years ago. So we're going to get together on her birthday and we're going to raise a glass and cheers her and eat good food because I think that that's what she would love. Definitely. Oh, I usually make cupcakes too oh, for yeah. brunches mm-hmm. that are big. And those are, that's a lot of fun where you do like super awesome frostings, pour a little liquor in mm-hmm. them sometimes. Definitely. Mm-hmm. You make great cupcakes. I should Thank know. You. Since I only do it once a year. I've frosted about four million of them. <laughs> <laughs> You're so good at it, though. It's so much fun, isn't yeah. it? Like getting up at 5 a.m. and just so cooking fun. until people show up with our hair undone. Yeah, that's happened so many times where people are showing up and Jesse's like, my hair's not even done. I'm like, go. <laughs> but let's be real. Like, when is my hair done anyways? I don't know. I feel like your hair's done. But I don't see you, so. <laughs> just imagine that it's done and it looks great every day it does it's blonde it's really nice looks great okay cool well i think that we're gonna segue little 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 drink segue (laughs) right into um green parenting for today uh which is a recipe right Hmm. just following right along with the um food episode Uh, I actually don't I don't actually have a recipe, but what I wanted to talk about was how since Kira has started eating real food, like she doesn't eat purees and baby foods anymore. I've really enjoyed creating food for her to eat. And like I was saying earlier, um, you know, we try to shy away from gluten. So it's it's kind of a challenge to figure out what am I going to feed this kid every day? And we're you know, it's mostly um whole foods so i actually started an instagram account if you guys want to follow um our progress on it and it's called what my kid is eating and i show off some of the things that i've made for her which like last week i don't know where i'm like i had some black beans and i had some chickpeas and i knew that she wasn't going to eat them because she gets tired of eating just regular beans so i mashed them up in the blender and then i rolled them out and i put like a little crisp on them in a pan and then put a dot of barbecue sauce on them and so they were like i called them barbecue bean balls (laughs) and she loved them it was so cute just watching her like chow down on them and so that's the kind of stuff that i've been having a lot of fun doing um you know trying to keep it interesting not just for her, but for myself, too, honestly. Like, I don't want to... I get bored making the same things over and over again, so. I was having this conversation at The Bachelorette with a gal that really, really loves to cook. Like, she loved to cook until she had her son. And then she's like, you know, I used to be all leisurely about it. I'd be like, oh, let's have this. I feel like this right now in this moment. And now she's like, oh, I got to do this for the kid and it's got to be this, you know, we have to have this, this and this. She can't just kind of wing it. But I, I hope people find a little bit of freedom and still winging it a little bit. But no, that's what I do. Comes- I love it. Like it's it, I'm very surprised by the fact that I enjoy doing this so much instead of look at it like, oh, no, you know, I have to cook this kid breakfast, lunch and dinner every day because that's the thing. Like when you eat the way that we eat, there's no easy anything like it's 
I mean, it's not that it's super difficult, but it's not as easy as opening a box or just like throwing together a sandwich. You know, there's some prep and cooking involved, but I've I've really found that it suits me. So I hope you guys will get on our Instagram and follow me. And if you have any good kid meal suggestions, I'd love to hear those, too. So. Speak of the devil. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, she's talking about me. She's like, mom, get out here. Make me some bean balls. (laughs) Uh, Oh, silly Kira. Oh, Kira. All right, cool. So in our second feature today, we were going to talk about kombucha because, Jesse, I'm back in the brew. I'm so excited. So what is kombucha? What is this booch or this mushroom tea that people are thinking about? I don't know, but mushroom tea sounds disgusting. I know. So that's what people say. Like, uh, I even had, so I put together um, kombucha workshops probably twice or three times a year because you know as a brewer you have your scoby which is a symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast Mm -hmm. which ferments the sugars in your sweet tea and creates the goodness that we call kombucha right well i had this guy who came to it and he's brewing and he's digging it and he was like hey well have you heard of this mushroom tea and i was like that's what people call kombucha because the scoby or symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast looks like a mushroom to some people looks a little bit more like a jellyfish to me yep but jellyfish tea um, also sounds gross though yeah all of it (laughs) (laughs) and he's like no 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 it's a real mushroom tea and i was like well is it like reishi mushrooms or i I don't know i i don't know if he was confused or if there's really something going on that is mushroom tea that's good for you as well Hmm. but if somebody wants to let me know i'm open to it yeah i haven't heard of real mushroom tea So kombucha is um, pretty old school. Like people have been doing it for a long time. It gets a little bit of a bad rap because if people don't do it in like sterile containers, it has it can, you know, make you sick. So there are some safety issues with it. But at its basic level, it's sweet tea. So black tea, green tea, whatever tea you use and you add sugar and then you put this little scoby, which already told you twice i believe but it's the bacteria and it goes in and that little guy likes to eat up the sugars and the byproduct of that um you know it ferments it and puts in good probiotic health right for the most part and it's especially good for people that are soda drinkers like it's a substitute for that there's still sugar in it mm-hmm. not all the sugar gets ate up but it ends up being usually like a teaspoon of sugar Per per cup, and it, it just has a lot of benefits. Do you want me to give you a couple? Sure, yeah. I mean, um, I've I've experienced some as well, and I know that my in laws are now drinking it on the regular, and they're experiencing some weight loss. Cool. And my mother in law, who's diabetic, is um having really good blood sugar, so I believe that it's regulating her blood sugar a little bit too. But there's a bazillion things that are great about it. So why don't you tell us some of them? So it alkalizes. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody just stop me. No. Um, So it's like vinegar. Like when you take a shot of ACV, ACVD, JCVD. Oh, my gosh. The coffee has officially kicked in, people. Apple cider vinegar, she means. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Balances internal pH. Okay. So let's just stick with that. Okay. But um, it has living bacteria and yeast. Mm-hmm. So we've talked previously about how, you know, we want to take probiotics into our body, if, especially if we don't have that um, appendix because, you know, we're not storing any extra ones. But it's just great for us to have all of that extra gut flora. Yeah. And then there's antioxidants in it. Some people say it relieves headaches and migraines. Um, I can see that. And it it can also speed up your metabolism. Have you ever gotten that like kombucha buzz? Yeah, definitely. Where you just like drink some and you're like, I'm peppy. Yeah, yeah. I have the same thing happen when I drink green juice a lot of times. Yes, it's nice. Mm-hmm. And um, then depending on what you add to your second fermentation, you can add additional healthy goodness, right? Yeah, indeed. So like I've been making hibiscus and honey. And hibiscus is super high in vitamin C. And then honey is, you know, it's got a a bunch of different um, health benefits. It's a natural antibiotic and 
not to mention super delicious. So um, that is what I like about kombucha, too, is it's plain. It's good. And even if you second ferment just the plain and make it bubbly, um, it's good. But it's such a blank canvas. You can take it so many different places. I agree. I love it. It never gets old, too, if you become a home brewer. Um so a little bit of the history behind it. They say it originated in China and then it went throughout Asia and then eventually Russia. So I don't know, like it's, it's been around, they say thousands of years. Um, I do know I have one friend who got sick off of a homebrew before, but I will say that if you drink, like you kind of have to ease your way into drinking kombucha, especially if you have, you know, kind of a, if your gut health isn't, primed already like if you're not on a whole Mm -hmm. foods diet or not taking probiotics already like if you drank a whole 16 ounce container of kombucha you'd probably have some digestive issues afterwards yeah i recently heard that you're not really supposed to drink more than eight ounces a day i could believe that yeah Yeah, i'd never heard that so if you get the ones if you get the ones at the grocery store, like just drinking half of one is fine. Um, but easing your way in. So like maybe one to two ounces your first day, the second day, try it again, see how your gut feels and then gradually work your way up to the eight. Yeah. I mean, I think that you can kind of look at it not just as something delicious to drink, but sort of like a health tonic. I mean, with all the benefits that it has, um, mm-hmm. you know, I really enjoy it, not just because it's good, but because I know that it's good for me, too, and it's doing good things to my gut. Yes, but there's still going to be caffeine in there and there's still going to be sugar in there. That's something to think about. Um, But if you let it ferment longer, then it turns into alcohol. Right. But the longer what I mean is the longer you let it ferment, the lower the sugar becomes. So if you're, say, a diabetic and you want the sugar content to be lower, then you just um, you let it do its fermentation a little bit longer. And then when you taste it, it will be more sour rather than sweet. and you can regulate that like as a home brewer, you can decide how long you want it to brew anyway, based on your taste. Yes. But there is if you go into that second fermentation, adding more sugars to it and letting it get nice and bubbly, mm-hmm. you end up steeping the alcohol content, too. So there's usually about 0.5 percent alcohol in most kombuchas, but it can get up to about 3 percent. Hey. Hey, kombucha beer. They actually have a thing. I think in Oregon, they do a kombucha beer. So that would be cool. I know that I've heard of people making like cocktails with kombucha, too. Mm. I have never done it personally because I I treasure my kombucha too much. But um, yeah, I heard that people, you know, mix in vodka or whatever. (laughs) That sounds counter. I know. Productive to me. Whatever. But so kombucha, you make you make your sweet tea, then you add the scoby. Mm-hmm. It eats it up. You put it in like it. I like to use glass containers just because you can sterilize it better, and um, you don't end up having any seepage from plastic. Yeah, you or shouldn't what have use you plastic into the actual. Yeah, please don't use plastic, but you need to have it be able to breathe. So I use coffee filters. Kelly, you do you use a cheesecloth? No, I use a coffee a... filter and a rubber band. Okay, yeah, but I my use parents in law use a paper towel and a rubber band. Oh. So that'll work too, um, whatever. And usually, depending on your climate, like in California, Northern, we I usually go about a week with mine, but a nice, humid and warm environment, your first fermentation is going how long, Cal? Six days. I could probably do it a little bit longer, but I'm getting a nice, happy, fat scoby after six days and a good, wow. good flavor. And so these the scoby creates another scoby every time you brew. It makes a little baby scoby. Mm -hmm. So then you can give your baby scoby to your friend, but you got to save some of that first fermentation Mm -hmm. juice and like keep them happy in one of those. Because if you, if he doesn't have anything to eat, he's going to get really unhappy and die. And you don't want to kill your scobies. Yes. I know a lot of people that have, and I end up just giving them another one. Yeah. I actually (laughs) killed my own scobies when I was pregnant because I stopped brewing and I neglected them and they all died. And then I was really sad. Okay. So then... After you do your first fermentation, which, like we're saying, depending on climate, is it can go anywhere from one week to I've heard people doing it up to a month, which I think is crazy, but whatevs. Um, then you can just drink it like that if you want, or you can do a second yeah, fermentation. You got kombucha. Yeah. And so the second fermentation, so you take the scoby out, and then you put him in his little side guy. <laughs> your kids want to some... get on the show now. <laughs> I know. Everybody wants to be famous. 
So you take the SCOBY out and you reserve some of the liquid and you put him in his own little jar and you can put, you know, like a seal on top of that. He doesn't need to breathe. Otherwise, you're going to have to feed him sugar. But he's out of it, out of the mix. You put it into a new container, um, the actual fluid, like the kombucha, because it is now kombucha. And then you can add your different fruits into it. And then you do an airtight seal for the second fermentation. And that's when the fizz is going to be created. Yes. And so you want to leave enough space so that it has some, you know, place to move into. Right. Otherwise, if it's too close to the top, you might end up with a kombucha volcano in your kitchen. Explosion. So what's your favorite kombucha flavor that you make? Gosh, that's a loaded question, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. Um, Why don't you give me your top three? Okay, so I love watermelon kombucha. Mm-hmm. It's delicious. So much that I juice watermelon in the summer and I freeze it so that I can make watermelon kombucha during winter. That's super smart. Um, I also love apple cinnamon. Mm-hmm. We've so been doing like, just straight cinnamon. Mm, I'm sure that's great too. Where you, you like cut up apples into little pieces, throw that in there. And then you do like an eighth of a teaspoon of cinnamon. Delicious. Cool. And so fall flavored, mm-hmm. but it's still good without it. It tends to not get as bubbly as other ones, but I can definitely stand behind it. Yeah. Um, I just finally did a mango that turned out really well. Cool. What and did you use mango I, juice? No, I chopped up the mango into little pieces, but I think you just have to have a very ripe and very good quality mango okay. if you're gonna do it. Otherwise it kind of it doesn't taste right and you don't get mango flavor. But Mango, I did that one, and then I did the kombucha with the mango. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to try kombucha. I want to get some boba when I'm home. So it's so good. So like boba, when you get boba, it's like sweetened tea, and then they add in the flavors. But with kombucha boba, you know, you're getting some health benefits too, and it's not just like added sugar. Like, I mean, you add the sugar in, but it's less less added sugar, and it's just delicious. So mm. I'll make you some when you home. Sounds great to me. So since I've been back in the brew, we've been doing cinnamon, which I was saying. And all we do is, or I do, I'm going to say we like anybody helps me do it. But (laughs) uh, just put in a cinnamon stick inside the bottle with the second fermentation. And this time I added some sugar because I'm trying to achieve a cinnamon fizz. So I'll let you know how that goes. But the cinnamon is like one of my favorites. Are you going to name it Cinnamon Fizz? Yes, I am. I actually wrote on the bottle Cinnamon Fizz. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then the hibiscus honey, which has been awesome because I use, what I do is I go pick hibiscus flowers off the bushes outside, make a hibiscus tea, and then just mix in some honey with that. And then um, I think I have to say the other favorite has been um, pineapple ginger. So I juiced Mm. pineapple and ginger together and mixed that. And it was a really nice flavor. And also pineapple, super good for you. Ginger, super good for you. And I'm thinking about adding a little bit of that T word thing that's orange. And I don't know how to say it. Turmeric. Turmeric. Thank you. Turmeric. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, I am think I might start doing something on my own website with my packets as far as kombucha making because I think when you start making kombucha and you're researching it online it's so hard to put it together like it makes zero sense Mm -hmm. yeah it's like you almost need someone to show you how to do it definitely so I think maybe at some point um I do have my packets and starter kits and maybe I'll do a video too just to show people how easy it is because people walk into my kombucha workshop and they're like what the heck like I've done all this research and I just can't get it and I'm so scared I'm gonna mess it up I'm like they're pretty resilient little scobies you know it's a lot easier than it seems too Definitely. So once they have kind of clear directions and somebody's seeing like, see, and then you dump this here and you're done. Mm -hmm. Like. Bada bing, bada boom. Bada bing, bada bada kombucha. (laughs) 
Cool. Well, did we want to bring Kirkalicious in yes. to give us a little bit of the just the tip on current events for today's show? Yes. Um, I'm going to step out. I'm going to tap in my husband and he is going to give us the lowdown on what's going on with Syria. And um, I'm sure that everybody's heard a lot about it in the news. So we just wanted to give um, a little synopsis. So see ya. I'll be back. Awesome. Intermission music by Jesse Lee. Do-do-do. Hey, Kirk. Hey. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. So I was out of town down in Palm Springs, and I guess something happened with Syria more so than what's already happening. Yeah. And I was like, hey, Kel, what's going on down there? And she was like, I kind of know, but let's kind of ask somebody who has more knowledge. So that's you, Kirk. Okay. And you're going to give us just a tip on what's going on with Syria right now. So what's going on right now is there was another chemical attack on April 4th. Now, everybody's saying that it was Assad and Trump has actually you know, sent 59 missiles to attack a, an air base that was supposedly where this airplane came from that dropped these, these, um, chlorine gas barrels, chemical weapons. Yes. Right. Um, and what it looks like right now is that it, it really wasn't from Assad. It was probably a, uh, false flag type event where the rebels or basically ISIS wanted to provoke the United States to attack Assad. Oh, wow. But, you know, we have to wait and see. Um, There has to be an investigation for us to find out. So, in my opinion, it was ridiculous to, you know, to strike so quickly without even having all the proof. Now, they did say, they being the government, that they have irrefutable proof that it was Assad. But they haven't, you know, given that proof to anybody. That's kind of how things are going these days, though, aren't they? Yeah. Like, so-and-so said this, but we can't tell you who so-and-so is. Yeah. And it was the kind of the same thing that happened with Obama. Um, you know, he had his red line. There was supposed sarin gas attacks. Um, and then later on, it was investigated, and it was investigated by the UN and other people, that it was more than likely not Assad that, ca- that carried out these attacks, and that it was probably, again, provoked by these uh, rebel factions in the country that was trying to overthrow the government. Um, wow. But really the bottom line here is you got to look at what is the, what is the reason for all this stuff? Why are we even dealing with the sod? You know, what is the big deal? Why is Russia involved? Why is, um, Iran involved? Why is Saudi Arabia involved? And really what it comes down to is there is a pipeline that is proposed that, will run from Saudi Arabia through Syria into the largest um, oil, um, what's it called, Uh, marketplace, basically, which is Europe. And right now, the country that provides most of, of Europe's oil and gas is Russia. So... Really, it always comes... Russia up. probably doesn't want it because then there goes some of their income. And uh, so that's why they're part, like... Yes. I mean, that's their, yeah, so that's, that's their number one uh, customer, which, you know, is Europe. So if this pipeline gets built, then Russia's out. And also Iran wants to build a pipeline through Syria, but they're not, you know, they're not allies with the United States. So they know if the U.S. is to control Syria, that pipeline's never going to happen. So. Once again, just like what we saw in Iraq, it comes down to oil and it comes down to money. That's not something you're going to hear on the news. You know, you're not going to hear about this pipeline. But really, that's that's why we're playing this chess game in Syria, because we we want to uh, make sure this pipeline gets built for our our uh, ally in. um, In Saudi Arabia. And the company that's going to greatly you know, benefit from this is going to be ExxonMobil along with Halliburton. So once again, you got to look to the money to really find out the truth. That's horrible. Super sad too. Like, I mean, you see all of the devastation with the people and 
it just it makes you go like what in the world are we even doing like some like help these people but then they're all like trying to flee and you know we get to see the emotional appeals of it not and that's kind of like the smoke screen in front of what's really happening or why it's happening I guess is a better term yeah you always have to be suspect when the the media rushes to show you know dead kids and you know horrible scenes that they know are going to st- stir people's emotions and and you know get them to feel like oh something has to be done i mean there's crazy things going on in africa all the time where people are being beheaded and kids are being you know sold into sex slavery on a large scale and nobody ever hears about that stuff because we don't have any interest in those countries so i mean really it's sad but the media is just there to get people riled up to whatever causes that are going to benefit these large corporations. And you have to understand the media's number one provider of income for them are these large, you know, oil companies and uh, uh, drug companies. So they really are just mouthpieces for these giant corporations. At the end of the day, they're really not there to give us information about what's really going on. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's definitely, we were talking today in my yoga class about how, um, you, in the yoga sutras, it talks about how you need to find your information from like an authoritative source or from your own experience. Um, because when you get stuff secondhand or you start to create your own conclusions based off of the thoughts in your head or what's being fed to you, especially through the media, um, that's when you don't have the full picture and that's when the illusion becomes deeper. So Well, thank you so much for that information. I mean, that's a really sad situation. So when Trump sent out those um, missiles to, like, I guess the airport where that airplane originated from, did he bomb it? Yeah. Um, He bombed it? So we're just, like, firing it up out there already? Yeah, he bombed the facility. Um, We're getting mixed reports. Um, You know, the U.S. is reporting that it was a total success. It was great. It took out all the targets it wanted to. Um, and th- we've seen pictures of, you know, the damage. And then also, you know, Russia has come out with their own assessment of what happened and basically saying that, like, t- only maybe 20% of the targets were hit. And n- the uh, the air the airstrip itself wasn't damaged at all, so planes are still able to uh, land and take off from there. Um, really, it, that was probably... They probably did that attack to to make a statement. More than anything else, I don't think it was actually to to really cause serious damage to any of Assad's um, military. It it was just a you know like a a shot across the bow type of thing. Like we mean business and we're serious about this. But in my opinion, it was just it was not it wasn't thought through. And regardless of whatever message needed to be sent, I don't think that was the right way to go about it. But yeah, I mean the reports are great success or you know somewhat of Mediocre. a success yeah wow it's crazy times we live in i wonder what us as american citizens can do i i like your uh your take on just you know talking to your representatives um i don't think i don't think even like us two percent of the people actually do it i don't know i've never done it and i don't know anybody other than you that's actually got a hold of their you know their their representatives, but I think people need to start getting more involved in their local governments and taking uh, responsibility for their lives on a personal level and on a local level, and then that kind of grows into a national level. But it, it has definitely to, it has to start at at home, you know. You got to do something first. So Kirk is talking about in the last episode how I was contacting Diane Feinstein over some privacy issues that I definitely have concerns with. Um, so a little follow up story. I was in the dining room with my kitchen one day and he's like, oh, Senator Feinstein emailed me back. And I was like, what? She didn't email me back. That's like." Funny. If you read the email that I sent her, you know, I probably wouldn't have emailed that person back either. But I was like, what? How would you email her about? And he goes, well, I emailed her one day to tell her I was mad about, you know, this issue. And somehow I got on her email list. So he gets like random updates from her. But yeah, definitely 
do what you got to do. Take a stand for what you believe in in this life. Yeah. And really the biggest difference that we could all make is voting with our dollars. So, you know, if you do the time and you find out more about what you're actually buying and who that's um, providing money to, then you could really make changes in the world just by doing that, just by buying products that you can back that you know that are, you know, doing things that you agree with. I mean, you definitely see it now. Um, You could even say just organic stuff, right? Like all of the, like, say organic tomatoes, Heinz was like, oh, we're not going to do that. We're just going to keep producing tomatoes. And now they have their own organic line and have succumbed to that too. So already, you know, bigger companies are seeing like, oh, people are turning around to see what their ingredients are. So yeah, they have to change. Like we forced that change. Yeah. And that's always going to be the the force, the, the deciding factors. Where's the money being put? If they're not buying our products, we have to make a change. That's, there's no, you know, they're not going to be, um, they're going to do whatever it is that they have to do to make money. And if that's being cleaner with their products or being more sustainable or not, um, you know, supporting basic slave labor in China, then that's what they're going to do. So it's all about voting for your, for what you want with your dollars. And like, like what you do, you know, calling up your uh, representatives, they, they need to hear from all of us. They, they're, they're off the hook most of the time. I don't think, like I said, I don't think hardly anybody does that and they really should. Yeah. Otherwise they're just running around in Washington or at the state Capitol doing whatever they want yeah, and whatever they think is best. They got people in their ear, trust me. And those people are, you know, the lobbyists, they're the ones that are, that are getting what they want out of these representatives because they're always in their ear and they're, providing them with a lot of money. So a lot of money. Cool. Well, thank you so much for that insight. And um, hopefully we'll have you back on pretty soon. Um, I think we're about to wrap this up. You got to go to work and we got yoga to be taught. All right. You want me to get um, Kelly back? Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Kirk. No problem. Welcome back. How did it go? It went really good. You're going to have a lot of information to listen to. Can't wait. Very clear and concise and uh, good. Great. Well, thankfully, your husband filled me in because I was in the dark. I didn't even know we had shot anybody. Oh, my gosh. No way. But yeah, we like dropped some bombs on an airport, dude. Yeah, no, I know. I'm saying, oh, my gosh, no way that you had no idea that that happened. I did it. She's been under a Palm Springs rock, ladies and gentlemen. I'm like a lizard. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we're going to end with a quote for our foodie episode. And it's from Hippocrates, who said, Let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. I think that's perfect for today. All right, Jess, it's been fun as always. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. That sums it up for this episode of the Jesse and Kelly show. Want to join the conversation? We're hanging out on Facebook and Instagram, and there's lots of goodies on the Jesse and Kelly show.com. Kelly, please cut this out. Kelly, if you don't cut this out, I'll kill you.